Hello. How much snow you got over there? Right now, no snow. We're going to get a couple inches of rain, hmm. but no snow. You get snow up in the uh, higher elevations. I saw a picture today that was snow in Hawaii State Park or something. I saw that. So you can tell that whole whole global warming, warming thing is a hoax. Hmm. Obviously, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we got another winter with almost no snow here, but it's it's snowing now. It's one of those nighttime snows that's turning to slushy freezing rain, so that's no fun. Oh, God. And you got to go to work tomorrow. In theory. Mm. They'll probably be fine. I'll just crunch right over it. We'll see. Can't you telecommute? Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Depends. You got a lot of meetings. You got to be there in person sometimes. Meetings, plus you're probably just managerial enough that you can't, like, not be at the office. I can sometimes. It really depends on what the meetings are, who they're with. You know, sometimes you get more done at home anyway, because you have fewer interruptions. So I actually need to seriously get some work done. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. the home is the best place for it, but. Um... I believe in people in, in the house having privacy. So like, I, I don't like, you know, try to, I try not to notice things. You know, it's part of being in a house, but I walked by my wife's laptop the other day and I saw her calendar and I, I almost lost it. <laughs> you see all the blocks, blocks, uh, blocks, butting up against each other. Oh yeah. Plowing, plowing right through lunch. Yep. No, it's, it's, it's absolutely bananas. And so many things, well, you know, you know how it is. Like a lot of it, some of it's like really critical stuff and some of it's just, N prime number of people on a Zoom, and they're just talking about stuff. Zoom, yeah. That's... I just learned about Zoom. Apparently, Zoom's a thing. It's huge where they work. Jason made me use it for a podcast recently. How'd it go? I guess it went okay. I didn't like the window. I couldn't like get the window. Like I wanted, to, I want to have a. I just want to have my uh, software mute control somewhere, and it has yeah. one, which is nice. But it's attached to this ungainly window that I can't really get out of my face, and it's. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I. I I sent him, I think I sent him my call recorder file. I also sent him the Zoom files because he was curious what they provided. And it like, it it has a recorder built in and it outputted two files that were just like uh, recordings of the entire call, including other people. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big fan, but if it's cross-platform or has some other advantages or Skype ever stops Apparently, working. Apparently, you know, for whatever. what they, for what, one doesn't want to mention brand names, but there has been a brand name of that particular kind of connectivity business software that was in my experience notoriously dicey like you know what i'm talking about there's like talking a, about webex oh come on they could be oh, a sponsor. why can't we say that i have no problem saying that oh that reminds me speaking of not saying things go to meeting hmm? that and uh i never use go to meeting i don't think go ahead follow your bliss what Da-da. yeah i see your cr- wait a minute what are you doing i was gonna type something i don't, I don't need to type ahead. anything i can just go right into it why can't we say webex I never know what to say. Hmm. I never know what to say. I think they sponsored something that was on a real long time ago. They used to buy ads for 43 folders. I, you know, what do you say? Uh, we use WebEx at work. That's our main thing. We used to use Google Hangouts, but then we got booted off of Google Hangouts or something. You're going to get both barrels. You ready for both barrels? Here's both yeah. barrels. Every single time I've been in a room when software like that is used, something has gone wrong. It has never gone flawlessly. And it's just sometimes you just apparently just can't connect to people. Also, I've been stuck in the awkward position of giving a talk somewhere. And this is not, you know, the software's fault. But I remember one time in particular. Did, did you give a webinar? Oh, my God. You have no idea. 
I don't, I, I don't know if you know, but you know, like, I, there is some stuff I like sweat and like try to do a good job with. And mm-hmm. one of them is I would try to have pretty good slides. I've been in books and stuff. Like I would have a really good slide, a slideshow. It was a part of the larger presentation. And mm-hmm. when I hit the transition was important. And like, I wasn't great at it, but I was pretty good at it. I got, it was something people would hire me to do. And so, you know, eventually I learned to evolve toward like always have a backup you know, on a thumb drive, make sure you can do it as PowerPoint if you have to. But this particular one, I think I found, I want to say the morning of the presentation that uh, B, it was going to be through a webinar program. It was going to be zoomed out to all, or WebExed out to all these like far-flung locations that needed to be able to watch it. So I had to use this guy's Windows laptop, A, so B, A, <laughs> I had to use his Windows <laughs> laptop uh, with not even PowerPoint. I think it had to be a PDF. There couldn't be any transitions. Um, and there was no notes. Now me, I'm a weirdo. I rely on the slide notes. So I don't have to rely on the slide. That's a pro tip. And it was absolutely, it drove me completely mental. It was like, I don't know. I mean, I've got that well-worn bit about, you know, it's not, it's not a presentation. It's like a play about a presentation by somebody who's never seen a presentation. It's like, we talked about this on back to work a million years ago, like the culture of bad presentations just grinds people down into making the dumbest possible slides and presentations. And it's like, as long as it fits with the logo in the PowerPoint deck everyone's using, but mm-hmm. it's crazy making. So that was my experience with that. It was a real white knuckle thing. It wasn't very fun. I was on unfamiliar equipment. I had no notes, but like my takeaway from that was, okay, well, I guess this is what people get used to, which is make to make the most dumbest, most obvious conceivable slide that you will read allowed so you know where you are mm-hmm. have no idea what the next slide is and often it's not of course it's like purple background yellow letters with you know five paragraphs on it i can't believe how many of those are like that anyway i'm sorry i've changed the topic twice now <laughs> i thought your backup was going to be like micro printed index cards with your notes on the back of them and you'd hold them up to the the webcam on the laptop i would have liked i've done that i've introduced i've introduced real world uh, objects yeah just hold the hold that up to the camera can you see this is it in focus is it focusing i'll hold it real still this is my first slide. I was real panicked one time about a presentation I had to do um, internally for a group about, yeah, you know, the time and attention thing, but essentially talking about the limitations of, of time and attention and not realizing how much it's sneaking up on you. And I, you know, I'm famous in my house for having the worst demos ever. Like I can never show somebody something fun or funny. It always breaks. <laughs> it's always wrong. But this particular one, like, <laughs> it's so, so bad. I freaked out my host so bad. Because I knew that the internal culture of this particular company that I love was really rough. A lot of people working remotely, a lot of misunderstandings, miscommunications, people getting overassigned as we stipulated invisible work, which is a thing. And so I came out and I put a like a drinking glass on. <laughs> I put a drinking glass on this on this table, and I'd kind of inspected the area around it. But then, of course, you can imagine what I did which is I started like adding little bits of water. Oh, and here's this other thing. And you got to follow up on this. And then I think I grabbed like an ashtray and like just started putting garbage into it and then picked up a big pail and completely over poured the glass. <laughs> so it was flowing all over the table and onto the floor. It was really upsetting, but I think it might've made my point. Like you won't notice until your floor is wet. <laughs> but see the, the, you know, that can be good. <laughs> you became a prop, a prop comic there. For, for a minute. <laughs> and the toilet around my head. Honka, 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 honka. Uh, the, the worst but, thing while well, we're on the topic of those uh, presentation type software I, I think there is, this is the running 
gag at office jobs of like how, how many minutes of each at the front of each meeting is spent trying to get the AV to work right. It's always a problem. Sometimes it goes well. Sometimes it doesn't. For the most part, we, people learn how to navigate it. Um, it's, it's especially fun when there we have all these fancy conference rooms filled with all sorts of fancy, inconceivably expensive hardware that's mm-hmm. supposed to make all this work and signs on the wall with, you know, if you have any problem, call this person. But like then even when a person appears, like half your meeting time is gone. And yeah, it's, it's a big mess. But setting all that aside, the actual software itself seems to have a simple job of like, let people talk to each other, maybe let people see each other mm-hmm. and uh, let one person, uh, present like their screen so you can see slides or whatever right so basically if they can they have a computer it's it seems straightforward enough that it feels like in my heart it feels like a problem that should have been solved by the early 2000s like wholly solved and the like the, the worst part about it is not even the tech part that these days that fails like for the most part we can hear people we can see them the internet connections are fast like everything works out it's not like oh you dropped off or disconnected like the connections stay and uh, and the av is fine but i the thing that just boggles my mind is that with every revision of of all this kinds of software they never quite understand that if someone is presenting slides or a document or whatever Mm -hmm. people need to be able to see what they're presenting and all of these things overlay their own crap on top of what you're presenting. The little thumb, thumbnails of people's heads. Like. They'll do tons of Chrome. And the one that always used to kill me was like, look, you do not, like, you know, if you, if you pick one, either show me presenting or show the slides, but don't show equally sized windows of both because it's it's not going to make any sense. Yeah, or at least if they're, if you have multiple things like that, like the big, the big thing WebEx does is overlays. Like they have, they put their UI on top of the thing you're presenting. So the, you know, the buttons are along the bottom and there's like a little floating thing and you can move anywhere you want. That's the person, but it's usually in the corner. And if you have a slide and the slide goes anywhere near the bottom of the screen, the last line on the slide is invisible. Or if there's like a footnote or something, forget it. It's covered up by buttons. And there's no, the thing is, there's no way to make the buttons go away. There's just no way to do it. You can shrink the window to try to escape, but they're always there. It's like, don't, don't you know people all every day? show slides with this and sometimes there is a bottom bullet point and these buttons yeah. are huge and immovable and obscure what's there and then the little floating heads of all the people obscure stuff and and like you think with all these different panes and stuff you'd be able to resize them or move things out of the way yeah. and either you can't resize them or 99% of the people presenting don't know how to minimize or resize them so everyone in the room is just like like why do you need all those heads like why do we need to see if this portion of the show yeah, tiny you should have a mode so, yeah you yeah. should have like a a like you know one way presentation mode and then you can like cycle through to get through. Let's have a conversation and maybe the slides go behind it and the heads come up. But like it's it really this is again, this is to me in my head anyway, this is all part of bad presentation culture, not just bad slide culture, but bad presentation culture, which is that, that there are these certain standards or mores that get put in place. And you remember Jeff Veen's story about the hardware virus? Mm-hmm. Back the, we talked about that where mm-hmm. one bad DVI plug at Google um, on one, one bad DVI, as we used to say, mail was basically bending the pins in DVI ports of uh, lots of people's Macs, so that when they went to another conference room, they would pass on that same hardware defect to other plugs and outlets. And I feel like that is it is viral in the sense that, like, hey, if you get too ambitious with what you're trying to do, like, believe me, the culture of presentations here are going to drag you right back down to earth, like, so quick. 
And like, like for me, that used to be like, I used to kind of say to people like, I don't know, I'm always such a, there's a reason I don't work with people anymore, John. I used to be such a pill to deal with because there's all kinds of stuff I don't care about. Like what I care about is this. I need to be able to use my Mac, connect it up to something. And believe me, I brought an entire bag of dongles for every conceivable situation. I know you don't have stuff for a Mac because it's weird that I have a Mac. I need to be able to use my own Mac. There's no audio. Don't worry about that. And I need to be able to have a second, a mirrored, like a mirrored setup where I basically get my notes on my screen. And I don't even need to see the slides because I know what the slides are. The notes tell me everything. And then I'll have a remote. And it'd be nice if I could walk around. But I've been in places that are like pretty famous for good presentation things where it's like a lectern with a stick mic and like one spot and you can't move and you can't see any screens. There's no room to put a laptop up. And they look like a weirdo. Like you're, you're trying to set up like, like, what are you, David Copperfield? You got to have like a special tiny table to put your laptop on. It's like, who here doesn't want that? Who's not utilizing that? Who's not utilizing like interesting uh, or useful transitions and animations? Like, why is it a multimedia show if you basically want a PDF where somebody stands in place? It's, it's mental. They paid a lot of money for that special room with little lectern and skinny mic. Like they, they pay tons of money to have these rooms set up just so. And they just, they, they want well, you to. Well, ask me where it was. Ask me where it was after this and I'll tell you. But, you know, I'm, oh God, I had the worst train wreck <laughs> at um, Macworld. It was me and then Gruber. So Gruber did his <laughs> famously parodied. Well, we, everybody had fun with Gruber's thing about the taste level at Apple. That was a fun one. But I, I presented right before him and came out. And I just started using a then, um, what happened was it was a brand new feature of, um, I don't even remember what it's called, uh, uh, Keynote, which was that you could basically, you could pick your fonts, do this thing, and then drag the thing, and it would like automatically like resize the fonts. Long story short, I had to end up using Gruber's computer, and he didn't have my particular Helvetica Noi on there, or whatever it was, and every single slide was totally borked where it would be like three letters across the top and then the draggy window at the bottom. It was like, oh my God, it was the worst. But that was, you know, that's bad on me. I should have prepped for that. And I, like I say, I eventually learned to just always have a PDF on a USB key or often as not, I would just email it to somebody the day of to make sure there was a backup. But I just, you know, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm misunderstanding, mis- misapprehending what it's for, but like for the actual transmission of thoughtful information, there's just starting with the amount of crap that people put on a slide. It's mind boggling. Do you get that at work? Do you get the like, cause you know, what is it? Guy Kawasaki used to have the thing about like, was this 10, 10, 10 rule or something like that or whatever it was. You should never have more than this many words on a slide. I see stuff where like, I literally with glasses cannot read what it says in the body text sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes at work you need to have bad, like the, they're not presentations in front of a bunch of people, especially if you're, you know, it was like a thing that people are coming to see it. That's, that's, that's more of a show. Yeah. Not that it's just like, you not that there's not content uh, there, I see, but I see you the are distinction. If you're like but, reporting but you numbers or something, whereas yeah. there's a bunch of coworkers. Sometimes you're just trying to convey information to a group of people in a way that they can all take it in and talk about it. And it's ugly. And like, that's why, that's why I was talking about the, I mean, we're not asking for much. We're not asking it for it to look how the person wanted it to look. We're not asking to have two screens, which, by the way, that's another constant source of frustration. People who basically say, I can share my screen, but if I share my screen, I can't do the two screen notes thing, or I only can share my notes screen. Yeah. Like they can't make it so that they share one of their screens, which is the slides, and then on their laptop, they see the notes. That's basically a technical impossibility. Right. As far as our, the software we use is concerned, it can it can send what it sees on this screen, and that's it. 
Yeah. And if yeah. you have two monitors, they can send like the notes and it's just a big mess. And you can anyway, like we're just we're just want we just want the basics of like, can the people see the information, which is why the button overlays and the little floating window are so yeah. terrible because it's like before we even decide, are your slides good? Are you presenting the well? Like, can we can we see them? Can we see the words that you have put up there? Is there a diagram that we can't you'd see? Have to warn, you'd have to warn people ahead of time. It's almost like uh, letterboxing or something. You have to warn people ahead of time about where the where the safe zone is, where the danger zone is, and where the absolutely don't go here zone is. Uh, but, but really, like the software, I mean, I just kind of understand why they do this, because if they didn't do this, if they actually had controls that got out of the way, people would be like, where are the controls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you can't have it hidden, so you have to have it always visible and unmovable. Because if they were movable, people would move them and say, I lost my controls, where did they go? Mm-hmm. At, at this point, you know, we have like the floating window of the other people, especially when it's just one other person, is very large. And there is a tiny, tiny overlay of like a carrot, like the little, you know, shift six or whatever, the little V thing, right? Overlaid on top of the video. And then every time there's a meeting, if it's a, if someone is trying to show something on a slide and that thing is is blocking a quarter of the screen and it's in the upper left-hand corner, so you can't read the first seven words of the, of the first sentence of the slide, mm. everyone in the room is like, hit the carrot, hit the carrot. Hit the carrot. Like we just want them to collapse the thing, but depending on the social dynamics of the room, yeah. some people may not be like, you don't want to interrupt this as soon as they start talking to say, could you minimize the giant thumbnail of Steve so that <laughs> it so that we can read what's on your slides? And the second one is, and this is another feature that uh, took WebEx, I think, probably a decade to add. I don't know how old the company is, but it seems like it's been a long time. Um, you get on a big conference thing. Hey, everyone come in. It's the company company meeting uh, on Friday. And people are remote call in uh, and there's 50 people on the call and it's a technical miracle that it works. But every single one of them, we can hear they're, they're typing, yelling at their kids, chewing potato chips really loud oh my God! in the auditorium speaker. So it's like, could you please mute? If you're not on the phone, can you please mute? Can you please mute? And like everyone thinks it's not them or think they are muted. And then they, they hit the mute button again because the mute and unmute states aren't clear and they end up unmuting themselves with the one person who should be muting. Is at, the one, at the one moment when they definitely should be muting. Yeah, it's chasing their dog. And like, and it's just basically it was an impossibility. If you had more than 20 people on the call, you would never have a moment when everyone who's supposed to be muting was muted. So they said, okay, well, how about we give the person who's the host ability to mute everybody? But then when those people want to talk, they can't unmute themselves. And so, all right. all right, how about we have the ability to default mute everyone they come in, but people can manually unmute. Okay, well, that's fine. But then people think they have to mute because they've been trained by the past years that every time they join, they should mute themselves. But what they have done is unmuted themselves. And when someone says, could you please mute? They think it's not me because I just clicked the button and I unmuted myself. Oh, so God. finally, they added a thing where if you are unmuted and like in a conference with a lot of people and, are, and it detects what it thinks is typing sounds, it puts like a red overlay on your screen that says... Do you think you're muted? Because you're not. And other people oh can hear God, this. Oh my God, you're kidding. It's like an AI sort of heuristic of like, in these conditions, if you're making a noise and it doesn't sound like speech, maybe you think you're muted. And that can be annoying because sometimes, I mean, it's good. It doesn't do it on speech, but sometimes you're like, I know I'm not muted. I'm doing something like, and so you get the overlay blocks your view of what's going Anyway, it, it's a very difficult problem. The problem is basically humans. The software could definitely be better, but the problem in, yeah. at its root is still humans. Yeah. Yeah, just on, it's just like what people get used to, what people ex- expect. It's like the the Occam's razor that really blows my gourd is that like we know this sucks, but it's just how it is, and we're used to it. It's a kind of suck that we can understand. Yeah, I think it's getting better a little bit over time. Like having been in this for a long time, that it, you know the connection issues are better, uh, yeah. the culture is better. We are down from like uh, 
you know, an average of 10 minutes to an average of seven minutes fussing with AV. I think we're making progress as a species, but it's slow going. Do you um, hear my streetcar, by the way? I didn't hear your streetcar. What is it? You got air conditioning going there? No, I do not have air conditioning going. You don't no. hear that? Like the whole room is shaking. Well, I guess my mic is doing its good job and only picking up things that are a few inches from you, it. You know, my, my ears don't really work. Yeah, that's right. I'm no There's, Marco, but like they, yeah. they don't work great. You got you got uh, rock rock band ears, rock ears, rock and roll ears. Yeah, yeah. We needed you. We needed you on there to to sing a, a rendition of, of Ear Angel. No, none of us can sing. Oh, I feel bad yeah. for the guy. Yeah, I like to talk about Eero. It's another one I'm scared to mention. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well. Entered in, in, entered into the record without objection. Back to work. Episode thirty eight. Sorry, you can't have a candle from October twenty fifth, two thousand eleven. Oh my God. Because there's one time I Seth Godin did a presentation where he had a candle. I thought you were going to talk about ear candling. <laughs> it draws out the toxins. Mm-hmm. Sure does. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash diffs. Just so you know, if you use the offer code DIFFS at checkout, you're going to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Make your next move with Squarespace because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. Maybe you want to create an online store, a portfolio, a blog, whatever you want to put on the internet, buddy. Woo, Squarespace is the place for you because Squarespace is an all-in-one platform, lets you do what you need to do. There is nothing to install, no patches to worry about, and no upgrades are ever needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got you covered. They also have those award-winning 24 by 7 customer support folks that can help you out with anything you need. Ah, they let you easily and quickly grab a unique domain name. It better be unique if it's a domain name. And all of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great idea. As you know, I'm a big and longtime fan of Squarespace. I use them all the time. I had occasion just this week to add a new section to one of my sites, and it took about three minutes. It's as easy as just going to a web page. I pasted some stuff in, and boom, I got a new web page. It's that easy. Thank you to Squarespace. Squarespace plans start at just $12 per month, but you can get a free trial right now with no credit card required. You go to squarespace.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. When you decide to sign up, yes, use the offer code DIFFS because that's going to get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain, and it will show your support for reconcilable differences. One last time, that's squarespace.com slash DIFFS, offer code DIFFS for 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. So we got all kinds of stuff in here. We got odds. We got sods. We got a lot going on. Wait, 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 no, wait. Did I cut you off? Were you going to ask me about something else? Uh, yeah, the moment is probably past. Well, yeah, the moment's I'll, probably past. I'll write it in. Back. I'll leave uh, the empty space sorry. to remind myself to write it in uh, later. I, I think we should jump right into your... There are many topics. Uh, yeah, I think we want to jump into your question about uh, turning things on and off. And yes. That's the first item. Are, are you going to skip the YouTube video you sent me? For now. We might come back. We might come back <laughs> to right, it. All right, we'll see if we have time. Uh, time. Okay, so I'm going to just say, okay, I am fully aware, because I know you. I've done a program with you. I am nominally your friend. I know that everything that I'm going to say is going to get me scoured down to the sub-epidermic levels, but... I learned I, about I, a thing. No, go. Uh, what? I, I understand that's your experience of 
you understand that. That's, that. that's, you do that. that's your that's your perceived experience, but that's not Ooh. that's not the way I see it. Anyway, continue. Of course, it's not. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just <laughs> okay. saying. Like I think so, I feel so, like your experience okay. and my experience are different. So even my disclaimer, my disclaimer about exactly this was incorrect. I, 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 like I said, I think your experience of these types of interactions is different than mine. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, how did I find this? I found this because, uh, Fraser Spears tutored out a link to a, uh, episode of the Verge cast, which I don't normally listen to, but it's actually a pretty good show. Um, Verge cast with, uh, Neil Patel, Dieter Bone, and another guy who's the important character in this, whose name I've forgotten. Uh, not only because they were talking about the Facebook stuff, but. But um, what did it lead to? I sent you a timestamp link in Overcast to listen to. Um, I will try to summarize. They were talking about the Facebook bug, which everybody's been talking about for a couple of weeks. How is it that- FaceTime. What did I say? Facebook. Oh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they were talking about the FaceTime bug that everybody's been talking about for a while. Now, they, they, they should name things better. That's confusing, John. That's namespace pollution. It's not Face ID. That's a different thing, too. Okay. All right. So anyway, they're talking about the touch book problem that everybody's been having. And how how weird is it that Apple had this nutty error with FaceTime that allowed you to go and listen to somebody's thing? Long story short, they're talking about this. And you tell me if you t- just jump in anywhere, but they talked about something that I'd never heard before. And I think the phrase the fella used was combinational states. And this is in referring to the difficulty of testing software given the potential complexities of all the different states that all the different pieces can be in of the software that like that when you've got a very simple situation, I mean, like to really dumb this down, you can read the Wikipedia page, but if there's, if there's one thing that can be a state of on or off, that's not that hard to fix. Like you could potentially just fix that. But with the complexity of something like an iOS device, it becomes difficult to create to be able to even automatic, automatically or manually test every combination of states that could lead to a certain condition. And he said in particular, like ideally, when you're designing software like this, you would say, and I I'm, I guess I'm slightly changing the word state here, the state of microphone is listening for audio is not possible unless you have gotten the state of call has been answered in this case. Anyway, but what this guy said that I thought was so interesting and smart to me was saying that, well, it, if you want to understand combinational states, or, uh, yeah, the, the thing to understand is this is why when you turn something off and on, it tends to fix a lot of, a lot of the problems because it's setting the device back to something like its default state most of the time. And it's getting rid of, rid of all the garbage that could accumulate in different kinds of states. I'm going to stop talking and say, are you aware of this phenomenon? And can you, in fact, tell me why it makes a difference when you turn something off and on? John Syracuse. So I think the most uh, interesting thing about this is how how compelling you found it because this is kind of like the if if you're a programmer by profession this is so in, internalized like <laughs> why this why do i do this show <laughs> i don't know why i do this show no, listen, i listen want to you me. to no, tell the nice people right, i want right, you to right, help so, people but, they're not developers john they're podcast listeners i, I know but like but that's like here's you think the thing that's like, the most interesting part yeah, because here's why. Um it's it's a type of thing where very often if you're you know whatever it is if you're a chef or something uh, of course, it occurs to you that people know how to make souffles or whatever, but it's some certain things you internalize as a, as a, you know as part of your profession that you stop thinking of as something specific to the profession. But you you start believing that, of course, everyone knows this. No one knows all the fancy, intricate details of the thing I do, but ev- but everyone sort of understands the basics. Mm-hmm. And something like this, it's like it's probably very similar to like doctors or other kind of professions where there's a mindset. 
And eventually certain parts of the mindset you stop thinking are part of your profession and start thinking, well, everyone just thinks this way. Um, this, the stuff with software, like I think the most relevant, uh, bit I ever did about this was I, I just tried to search for it. I couldn't find it. I'm, I'm bad at Googling. Do you remember the hypercritical episode where I made my pitch for software being the most complex things, uh, thing ever made by humans? That, that does, that does a sound familiar and B's totally sound like something that, that like a unified field theory that explains a lot of how you think about things. Yeah. Cause like, and then the pitch was like not counting biological because obviously human beings are more, mm-hmm. you know, but, but we don't, but we don't intentionally make every single part of them. The, our, our, our participation in the, in the manufacture we, we, we of wangle, humans. Is, we wangle all of these, whatever, eventually zeros and ones. We do all this stuff to create a certain set of conditions to happen and cause an outcome. But like inside the machine, there's all kinds of stuff going on. And the more complex it gets, the more crazy that must get as an enterprise. You talked about this. You talked about this a little bit with today on uh, ATP. We're talking about back in the day trying to make an e-commerce site and that there's not any one way to do it and that everybody has kind of stumbled into their own way of doing it. But that's super high level. Like I'm talking at, at the low level of like things intentionally made by humans where every part of it was intentionally made by humans. No part of it came by accident. No part of it was grown or procedurally generated or you know, whatever, but just like built up piece by piece from the bottom up. And the complexity measure is getting back to what you're saying. How many different states can it be in? Like if you were to sort of graph it out and say, this is a thing that I've made and uh, here, here's how it's represented in the abstract. Now in, in the physical realm, it gets even more complicated with all sorts of little subatomic particles flying around and mm-hmm. electrons and all like, but we're saying setting that aside, just we'll deal with the abstraction that we've built on top of that. Just the abstraction itself is the most complex things ever made intentionally in and in, in their entirety by humans. Uh, and that's why the idea that, you know, that that's why I, I, no programmer will ever think that a program can have its bugs removed or can, you know, a bug-free program basically can't exist for any reasonable definition. Mm-hmm. And that's why no one is ever, a programmer is never surprised that, to find bugs in a program. And this type of, this type of bug is like, hundred levels higher than the millions of other bugs that are probably lurking inside every piece of software. This is like a bug at the level humans can see, because when you think about the state of a program, you think it, most people think it like the user level, like you just said of like, yeah, you can't turn on the microphone unless the call has been answered. If someone was describing how FaceTime worked, big picture, that's how they would describe it. When you but say, just, covers, just to be clear, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, uh, as Casey says, I'm not trolling you. High level means what it usually means in technology, as in like higher up in the stack mm-hmm. to where I would notice it. Lower means, as you would say, closer to the metal, like down into the like. Yeah. Okay. All right. So hi- higher level, like it could be. It's not that the programs. I okay. So I got a notification about something I bought recently, and I had trouble clicking on the link. The the link was not producing a standard like URL, there was some weird like JavaScript interaction. Like that doesn't mean that the program's broken. That's a way high up problem with that web page is just not doing what it's supposed to do. Oh, the program would be broken too. Like there's lots of places yeah. things can go wrong. But like the, the, the high level that I'm describing is like if, if the teacher says, if you want to say something, raise your hand. Uh, and so you want to say something, then you raise your hand. Like that's the high level, the conceptual level, right? The low level is the act of raising your hand involves all these uh, little molecules and cells doing all these sorts of things you learn about in biology class inside your body and your yeah. brain to make your arm go up and like modeling that behavior. And when we write programs, you don't get to say raise your arm until you've figured out all the other levels. Maybe you didn't write it all, but some other human did. It's this big giant stack of tiny little bits that all come together to make the arm raise or the call be answered or whatever. Now, the things you're talking about are being able to 
assert things about programs in a kind of a mathematical sense to prove, to quote unquote prove that uh, it's impossible for this program to turn the microphone on unless the call has been answered. Mm-hmm. Right? Many, many times, especially back in the beginning of programming when things were simpler, computers were smaller, programs were shorter, there were attempts made to to say these you know these bugs are unacceptable writing programs with all these bugs it's just we should there should be some sort of mathematical way to prove a program's correctness uh and that has proved a very daunting task and it also has not proven to be a particularly strong fitness criteria for programs what's happened instead is programs that have utility despite being broken and buggy Mm -hmm. are much more valuable than programs that have zero bugs, but are necessarily smaller and harder to write and so on. So it's kind of, it's the same thing, right? Humans and evolutionary, like we are full of bugs and diseases and useless organs and weird arteries that snake up around other things because we used to be fish and all sorts of crap, right? But we're yeah. very successful. Like we were destroying the planet very well. Like we're, mm-hmm. we are incredibly, we are at the top of the food chain. We are dominating not only all of the species, but actually the so entire it's, planet. It's almost not like, it's, it's not that this, this software doesn't have bugs. It's just that there are still, there are probably bugs we just haven't discovered yet. Yeah. And, and you know, of course, and we didn't, you know, humans, again, we, we don't have much part in designing them. We just do what we do and we make new humans. But uh, computer programs we make ourselves are incredibly complicated. Probably not as complicated as a cockroach biologically as compared to computers, but it's still tons and tons of things going on. And there's, despite all your intention in writing a program, it's impossible to know uh, all the layers from top to bottom, even though they're all made by humans, they weren't all made by you. And it's impossible to even know for the code that you wrote to thoroughly understand what it's going to do and all the different states it's going to be in. And there is multiple levels of states. There is, what is the state of memory? What are the state of the registers in the CPU? What are the state of all the caches and then hierarchy? What are the state of the signals on the buses? What's, you know, all the way up to, in my program, I have a notion of whether the call has been answered or not. And what is the state of that? And is that even correct? Because like someone, something could set that, obviously, you know, inside the program could set that, oh yeah, they answered the call, but they didn't actually answer the call. So there's so many levels that something can go wrong. But the, the idea that anything works at all is seemingly miraculous. It's kind of like the the reverse version of like medical student disease, where when you learn about all the diseases that can happen, you start thinking you have every sickness. Like mm-hmm. medical students just learn everything that can go wrong with the human body. They're like, oh my God, now anytime I feel any twinge, I know the seven diseases it could be, right? It's not hypochondria. It's I think that they call it medical student disease. Well, when you first become a programmer, you you sort of like think, how does anything work? <laughs> how does How does anything that involves programming or computers in any way function at all and when you get older you still kind of have that feeling often about your very own you know there's lots of joke memes about programmers where debugging is like i don't understand what's going on here and then eventually you're like how did this ever work once you find out what the problem how did this ever successfully do anything because it's so hmm. fundamentally wrong um and and that's again that's just like at one level like humans can only work at reasonably at at one or two levels no one is working from top to bottom and that's where the, the the state type bugs come in, where to truly understand what a program is doing is kind of like to see the matrix where you'd have to see all levels at once and discard all your notions of what you think you meant it to do. That's Maybe you know, you'd have that's to like, uh, be like uh, doing an interstellar. You'd have to be like behind the books, seeing everything, every situation. And you'd have to put aside your notion. It's kind of like when you try to get people to edit their writing and they know what they were trying to say. But you, as someone no, they, who's they just can't reading read, they it, they can't see the errors. They can't yeah, see no, they, things yeah, that they could can't be better. See why? Why is this not clear to you? And it's like I know you know what you meant when you wrote it, 
But me, I can't see inside your head and I'm looking at the words you put down and you are not successfully communicating. So when you right. write a program, you know what you think you're making it do. But in the abstract, especially like if you just, you know, take away all your variable names and just make it have it a big soup of of memory and state and even setting aside like the memory model and the compiler and the CPU, just like pick one or two levels of abstraction and try to grok what's there. It's very different than you think it is. So mm -hmm. it's a miracle that we can get anything done. Uh, and always getting back to the turning things on and off, these things that we have, like, they have so many different bits and pieces, and they're all so incorrectly written in various ways, and they're all built on this giant, like, you know, tower, you know, we're building on top of sand, made by, things made by other humans that they didn't understand, that we certainly don't understand, and just stack them on top of each other miles and miles high. It's a wonder they work at all, and the longer they keep going the more likely they're in some bizarre state that no one ever anticipated. Oh, yeah. And so turning it on and off and saying, let's just start over. Right. We're going to eventually get back into a terrible state, probably. So when you, when you do that, though, you're mostly saying, and I realize there's stuff way beyond turning it off and on, because there, there could be something corrupt or conflicting or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But like you're mostly saying all of the... Most of the things that have built up in what a noob like me would call settings or in any of the various interactions, when you turn it off and on, you're saying, okay, everybody, let's go back to one. Let's, let's start fresh. So yeah. We're we'll have we'll eventually go off the rails again. Right. But it's, we're resetting the clock or we hope like, and, and mm -hmm. that that's kind of resetting can happen at every level all the way down to the whole thing of like unplug it for 15 seconds, because at levels that nobody's thinking about, like the programmer just wants to work in ones and zeros, but way, way down, eventually those ones and zeros are abstracted by ugly analog hardware that involves things like capacitors that ha could need TM to discharge and everything. I found that to be true with routers. If you don't wait for, I don't miss, might just be, I don't know, my own something syndrome. But like, if you don't wait before you, you know, you unplug the router, wait a while. If you don't wait in between, that's one where I feel like those little guys will pop right back up so often. Yeah. And there's lots of, you know, especially someone uh, like, there are capacitors are a thing that exists, but it's not always capacitors. There's also other things that are connected to the other end of it that are are sending signals and waiting for responses that take a while to decide that there's not going to be a response. So there is actually a place in both the hardware world, the analog hardware world, and the digital abstract world in terms of networking and acknowledgments across the network and everything, where sometimes you do have to really keep things separated, completely off, unplugged for mm -hmm. a certain amount of time to get you back to let's all start over. Yeah. And and if you don't do that to, especially in a network world, if you don't do that to everything, maybe you're just starting over that one little piece, but yeah. your other little piece, like your ISP router, is still in its weird state and still trying to do something like, yeah. So you just chase your tail. I, I feel like as a user of stuff, um, I find myself having to do a lot less of this than I used to. And I, I'm not going to attribute a reason, but I'll give you some examples. I mean, back when anything you want, almost anything you wanted to add to your Mac required a driver like something that installed an extension and maybe a control panel. But like extensions, you had to have the right extensions. The one that comes straight to mind for me is anything involving like, like a hard disk bus. So anything where you had like three or four hard drives, you know, did you do the Terminator the right way? Did you do, all, you know, you got to undo all your SCSIs. You got to make sure they're coming up in the right order. And there were stakes to doing that. There were stakes to like, hey, you know what? This ain't the you know, USB world. You don't want to just be ripping out the back of your SCSI while the thing's running. You'd have to take everything all the way down in the right order and then like slowly piece it back together. That would sometimes help in a way that uh, solving it onesie twosie didn't work. You'd have to take it all the way down and restart and do all of that. And then sometimes it would work. I don't I feel like I don't get as much of that as I used to. 
Although that, I have to say, it makes me notice it even more when something is acting flaky or where it's only reproducible under these certain circumstances that I can't really reproduce. You know what I mean? Like I get this error, error sometimes when I do that thing, but I don't know why that's happening. Yeah, the reason we don't have, the reason it's different, the reason USB is different than SCSI is the same. Like the way we try to make progress with this, you know, huge stack of stuff that no one person can ever have in their head is we try to compartmentalize and break the problem down into smaller problems and solve those smaller problems in a way that we hope is fairly robust and build a more sophisticated solution out of the pieces that we think solve the smaller problems that are understood. Like that's how all software makes progress. That's how we go from a 10 line program, you know, decades ago to millions of lines now. And and that's how Mm -hmm. anything works at all. The problem, of course, is with all those different layers, none of them are bug free, right? So again, it's like building on sand. But the only way we make any progress, like so that scuzzy thing, you can imagine beneath USB, there is a part of the system that is doing the same type of things that SCSI bus operate on the same, those same type of guarantees isn't the, exist. Isn't in my case, a Mac, isn't the Mac doing a lot of that thinking for the devices, like assigning the right things and making sure there's no collisions. I don't think just like at the hardware level, like the reason you couldn't yank out a lot of those cables is because the entire protocol and everything was predicated on the idea that, that no one will yank out this connection. Like you're mm-hmm. not, you can't do that. It's not, it's not <laughs> part of the user model to do that. Right. Right. And so there are physical layers of and and sort of firmware layers of current computing standards that are like that. But then there's a layer above them that says, okay, when the layer blows me blow tells me something has gone catastrophically wrong. And as far as it's concerned, it's like hands off. I'm done. I don't know what the heck happened. Everything is all broken. There's a layer above that saying, okay, I was aware that that's a thing that could happen. And up here, I've been planning for that. And when that happened, I have a protocol to signal to my higher layers that that has happened. And you know, it's layers upon layers upon layers where each layer is solving. You know, I don't know if you've seen the seven layer diagram for networking, the OSI model for networking. Everything is is layers and abstractions and breaking the big problem down to smaller problems and then building up from there. So, oh yeah, I haven't seen this for years. Yes, of course. Yeah, okay. And, and that's an old classic one that a lot of people know about. But every every part of the computing stack is like that, and that's how we get to solutions that eventually are nicer to deal with. But it's just by adding more, more more layers and more abstractions. And so when things go wrong somewhere in the middle, the user model is so divorced from anything that's going on uh, below that that it's very difficult to debug because as far as you're concerned, the user model is the way it's working. Mm-hmm. It's not the way it's working. There's stacks and stacks of stuff that you don't even know exist down there. And the way stuff reports back whether it's working could be wrong too. So yeah, like you, just, you're just yeah. so far, you're so far from it. It's kind of, I mean, it's, again, I always go back to biology because it's the only other thing that people have daily interactions with that's so incredibly complicated. We know how complicated biology is as a user of our own bodies to figure out what the hell is going on at any mm-hmm. one time. Uh, we're so far away from, we don't even have a good user model for the, for the human body <laughs> in mind. Like, we don't, we don't even have an idea of how we think it's supposed to work, but... And then there's this huge gulf of misunderstanding. And then at the micro level, we can like, well, we have a good understanding of how certain cells work. <laughs> and then a big gulf. And then we kind of get into how we think the systems work. And it's just... Every every week in the New York Times Magazine, they had that um, uh, thing where a doctor is trying to solve some kind of like perplexing medical problem that doesn't have an easy answer. And mm-hmm. like with that, even with an MRI, what's an MRI going to get you? Like maybe to the data layer? <laughs> I mean, you're not going to be able to take apart you know, little synapses and figure out what the problem it's, it's, is. It's barely, it's whatever, the, the blind people and the elephant. It's That's like the best case we can hope for. Even We know so much about so many different things, but at certain levels we start just switching to like, you have to model certain parts of it. It's like, because we didn't make every part of it, it's like, 
this model is predictive and helps us understand how this works, but how it really works. I mean, the brain is the big one of like, we know lots of things about the micro level and kind of some stuff about the macro level. But if we understood it as, as thoroughly as we theoretically understand computer programs, we could just build another one because there's very few computer programs in the world that we say, I, there's no way we could ever build a computer program that does what that one does. Sure. You can, we do it all the time. People make one game then they make a second game. They make a word processor, they make a second word processor and they're different from each other, but they more or less perform the same function, but no one can make a brain. Yeah. Right. Which is Does probably this mean good for us. That um, I don't know anything about quantum computing uh, apart from a YouTube video that I watched, but does that mean that there's a possibility for me even more bizarre bugs? In quantum computing? Uh, probably, but I don't think that, I mean, they're bizarre from, from our current perspective, but my understanding the of quantum... The whole model's different, so it, we, it wouldn't even be in the way we would expect, because the computer's deciding a lot of what the computer does, right? Not really. Like, here, I, I think that if quantum computing, you could snap your fingers and make quantum computing come into existence now, you would get no, more or less you. the same... <laughs> yeah, you would get more or less the same class of bugs that you get now. Like, everything hmm. that humans do that causes bugs they'd do exactly the same things. There'd be some new ones as well due to the esoteric nature of quantum computing. But in the end, it is like, it's a system with rules and it's an abstraction. Like a quantum computer would be an abstraction. It has to be the same way like transistors are an abstraction for on and off. We quantum computers would also provide an abstraction for different discrete states. They're weird about how they arrive at those states and everything like that. And they have certain characteristics, but it's still an abstraction. So I think we would just all make the same exact kind of bugs. It would there wouldn't be a a different type of bug. It wouldn't be like changing from we went from computers to genetically engineering things that we didn't fully understand. Like uh, machine learning is a little bit like that, where it's like I can't write a program to do this, but I can write a program that learns how to do it, get fed this data, and w- when it's done, the program that it produced, I'm not entirely sure even how it works. That's the closest we've come to that. But when we make bugs in that, it's more like there could be bugs in the, the actual machine learning like right. framework or whatever, just classic bugs. But then there can According also to that be CGP just, gray video. You just keep making stuff and throwing it away until you get the one that makes the result you think you wanted. Yeah, but then, but you honestly, but if you don't understand what it's doing, then well, you can't understand, can you? You can actually see what it's doing a piece at a time, but it doesn't. It doesn't work the way a human would write a program, and it also doesn't work the way we would conceive of the problem. And very often, like right. it's the, what was it I saw recently, the giraffe problem. I mean, it just, have you heard of that? It's one of those things like recently. where if you ask computer to learn chess, it might just kill the opponent. It's <laughs> uh, similar. The, the giraffe problem is like uh, all, problem. all sorts of, I think that's what it's called, all sorts of uh, image recognition uh, things where you just take a bunch of free images because you're in a university or something and you train your thing to look at it and... Uh, you know, like it's about like training data, right? And mm-hmm. giraffes in real life are rare. Like, there's not a lot of giraffes in the world mm-hmm. overall. Like, uh, your chances of seeing a giraffe in real life are very low. You'd probably have to be in a zoo or unless you're in Africa or whatever. Um, but giraffes in training images available for free to like universities who are training things massively overrepresented. And so if you just take a bunch of like, I'm just going to take random images off the oh, internet. I see what you're saying. The, the computer comes to expect to see giraffes everywhere. Oh my God. <laughs> because in its training set, there were way more giraffes there are in real life. And so when it sees something, it's like, I think there might be a giraffe in this picture. Oh. It's like, what do you mean you think there might be a giraffe? It's like, well, that's a, a surprising twist on number. It's like a whole other twist on the, like when you hear hoofbeats, you know, assume horses, not zebras. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you see something that looks like a giraffe, it's probably not a giraffe. And, but, and, but why is it think that? Well, it, you right. know, if you look That's at the, we, if you look at the training data, that. you're like, there's an awful lot of giraffes as compared to the number of giraffes there are in real life. 
<laughs> and it's just because giraffes are interesting and people like to take pictures of them. Right. Wow. So most of our machine learning errors are, are of that type. But there are just plain old bugs where you make a bug in the program and there's like a memory leak or a corruption or an error in, in the training thing or whatever, or, you know, error in your neural net like this. Bugs are bugs like it's I mean, I, I think I always think of medicine as the other profession that probably has the same type of eventual sort of resignation that uh, th- to the fundamental nature of the profession, the, the fundamental nature of computer programming uh, until and unless we get like uh, self-learning computers that we that just go off on their own, like, you know, basically mm-hmm. a computer consciousness or some sort of thing that happens without our participation until then program is programming and bugs and bug or bugs are bugs and all we can do is come up with better and better tools to deal with the with the, the inherent complexities to better break down the problems to better try to prove that uh the parts that we think are correct are correct and getting back to what i was saying before there are ways to have formal proofs of correctness for programs but there it's very difficult to write programs that way it's very difficult to verify them there are fundamental limits like the halting problem uh you can look that up if you want. This is why Marco doesn't do uh, unit testing. Did no, you cancel that giraffe problem? That's not why. But yeah, like the halting mm-hmm. problem of just like given an arbitrary program, can you can you look at the program without running and tell whether it's going to uh, successfully complete or halt somewhere? Uh, there are, there are theoretical limits on on stuff like that. But just practically speaking, uh, you know, we are we're doing we're doing the best we can. But in in the market, it is more valuable to have a complicated program that more or less works than to have a less complicated program that uh, has a much higher chance of working and, can, and some parts can be proven. Uh, that changes the, the the fitness changes, of course, is when you're sending a space probe or something, then uh, it's really important to have a program that you can prove to the best of your ability is correct. Mm-hmm. And so you will take the tremendous time and effort because it's worth it in that case. Totally not worth it if you're making an iOS app, like an iOS game or something do that same proof and most of the things we do are not space probes i feel like you would like and respect me a little bit more if you saw the way i fought with my daughter about these issues i know you don't respect you as much as i would like but if you could see how i go to the mattresses with my kid over when something doesn't work or doesn't work right understand she still thinks the apple tv remote is a very good remote even though nobody has ever successfully rewound 30 seconds <laughs> five times in a row it's undoable no matter where you hit it yeah, like, it's whack-a-mole it that changes. could be like a video game you could be like uh oh it's a video to... game it's not a fun video game but it's definitely <laughs> no, a video no game. like you're right because sometimes you can pull it off once but like try to do it repeatedly i hit it in exactly the same place i think every time okay but this is the example that i brought to dan when i talked about this when i wanted to talk about this topic you probably don't haven't heard the episode but i was talking about how like literally that night before understanding i'm running on tvOS beta, but still public beta. But um, but we get home, it's TV time. She hits the menu button. The LG TV turns on, but it just displays a, I, you know, I, I can't find anything. This device won't come up. And I'm like, let me take care of this. She's, no, 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 I got it, guys. So she keeps hitting it. She keeps hitting it over and over and over. And I can see on the stupid Apple TV, the white light is blinking, 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 mm-hmm. blinking. And she keeps going, no, no, no. And she hates it. She hates it when I fix things. She hates mm-hmm. it when I rewind. Mm-hmm. She hates I'll do it, it myself. Uh, I don't need you. Just use Siri. Talk to the thing and tell it what you want. Stop swiping to the right in Hulu. You're killing your father. <laughs> and so and so she's getting the little white light is literally blinking. And I'm like, honey, I'm sorry. I gotta do this. I'm gonna pull the dad card. I walk up, I unplug the HDMI cable from the Apple TV. I unplug the power cord from the Apple TV. I sing the bridge from September Girls 
and then I plug it back in, and guess what? It came back up and worked great. Do you have HDMI CEC enabled? Oh, you know I do. Oh, you can't have that. You can't have that. (laughs) See, but that's the thing. This is how they get you, John. That works well enough in the 80s and 90s of the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's just one more. It's just one more layer, and it's a one more unreliable layer. She she's just pissing on every spark plug. You wouldn't believe the nonsense she tries to do to get something to work. And yeah, I'm like, but, but her mental model of how things work is is farther removed than yours. So she's going to be less successful at debugging. I don't know. She is. Boy, I hate to admit this. God, I hate this. I think she's good at some stuff, and it's stuff I didn't even recognize she's good at, and it's really bumming me out. Like, she's suddenly very good at puzzles. I'm like, how are you good at puzzles? Nobody likes puzzles. <laughs> and she's like, but she's like, whoop, whoop, whoop. She's like got spatial relationships. Young, I'm trying, young, supple mind, yeah. Well, yeah. and like, she's at, she's exactly at that age where kids start loving doing small tasks with their hands. It's like, a, it's a hallmark, as I think you are probably aware, at your daughter's age. That is a very big thing, is seeing how accomplished you could be at a crazy craft project or something, mm-hmm. right? And uh, the way, and my wife just pointed this out to me as she's keeps, she's, we're like going bankrupt on puzzles. And I'm like, honey, you have to start getting these from the library. I'm not going to keep buying you unicorn puzzles. Can you make compostable puzzles, maybe? <laughs> oh, I heard a thing about recycling tonight that'll curl your hair. Oof. But, you know, but, but like, but then on the other hand, so I'm like, she's trying to find a video and she's talking to the thing and the thing doesn't understand. I'm like, look, we started to watch it two days ago for a second just go to, so I'm like the hacker. I'm like, just go to history in YouTube and it'll be there. But she's not, she's adamant. She's pushing a rock up a hill, like insistent on doing this one way. And my, my solution to everything is click, click, flip up, start it again. Like something's broken, restart it, restart everything. And mm-hmm. you know, nuclear option, shut off all of the like six <laughs> power strips, sing uh, the bridge from September Girls, and then turn it back on. <laughs> This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Eero. You can learn more about Eero right now by visiting eero.com slash diffs. And with Eero, you can build a Wi-Fi system that is perfectly tailored to your home. Considering the high bandwidth world that we live in now, you need a distributed system in your home to make sure you get the best speeds available. And with Eero, you can install an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your home in just a few minutes. It starts with the second-generation Eero device, It has three 5 gigahertz radios, which allows for increased speed and range. It sits flat on any surface and connects either over Ethernet or wirelessly. Then you can easily expand the coverage throughout your whole home by adding in some Eero beacons. Now see, these are small devices that plug directly into your wall, allowing you to reach every corner of your home. And right now, Eero is introducing Eero Plus. This is designed to provide simple, reliable security to help defend all the devices in your home from malware, phishing, and unsuitable content. Eero Plus can automatically tag sites that contain violent, illegal, or adult content, so you'll have a powerful parental control system right at your fingertips. It includes ad-blocking functionality to help improve load times for websites that are full of privacy-invading ad tracking, and it's also possible to have Eero check the sites you visit against a database of millions of unknown threats to prevent you from visiting anything malicious. Eero Plus even includes subscriptions to 1Password for password management, malware bytes for antivirus solutions, and encrypt.me. We are an Eero household, and we are so happy about it. I cannot even believe the difference from where we used to be to where we are now. There is no corner of our house that is not covered by sweet, delicious Wi-Fi. We even installed a beacon in our garage to extend it even further, and it's just, it's a fantastic system. Love it. So listen, never think about Wi-Fi again. You can get $100 off the Eero base unit and two beacons package, 
plus one year of Eero Plus. You just go to Eero.com slash diffs and at checkout, use the very special promo code diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. Please, you go to Eero.com slash diffs. Remember that offer code diffs. Our thanks to Eero for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. How long do you wait? How long do you wait when you wait for things? I, I My goal with most of these complicated systems is to get it, uh, to set something up so that whatever mental model I choose for myself is accurate enough to be useful. Right? And I, I've oh, tried that to, seems very sane. I've In tried an insane to, world, you've come up with a very uh, malleable approach to the reality that's presented to you. Yeah, like that's how that's how I know that I'm done, right? Because I like whatever my mental model is of how like and I've tried to convey this to the people in my family, but they don't care or don't want to learn it, right? But my model of how the picture flows and sound flows through my system and how my different you know my six different remotes work and everything, it's a model that for the most part most part has held solid for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the and when something goes wrong, like I'm not seeing a picture when I think I'm supposed to be seeing my picture or my Apple TV thinks it has no signal. Occasionally I have to adjust the model. Like, it, you know, shortly mm-hmm. after I got my new Apple TV, I had to add a new wrinkle to the model, which is Apple TV. When it goes from a sleeping state to a wake state, takes a long time to realize the network exists. So just accept okay. that that's the thing that happens. Right. And that could be happening in a bunch of different levels. That could be the Eero is confused for a minute. Oh, it's it's not. This is wired Ethernet. Like I have eliminated Wi-Fi from. There. But <laughs> do you know, have I, a do you have a dedicated? Yeah, I have um, a switch address for it. Yeah, a dedicated oh, address, wow. a, a switch on my TV. Like you know, that's mm, what I'm trying wow. to get to the point where things work. But there's still a time delay. You right? do that so, in Eero. You give it its own address. Like your devices have assigned addresses. Like yeah, like so a Mac. I have a slightly complicated setup because remember I had the uh, the Apple's uh, airport thing. Yeah. In Apple's airport, you can assign by oh, Mac address. You can no, give I'm the sorry. IPs. Yes, yes, yes. I've I've done I've done that for my Mac. I made it 105. Always be 105. Yes. Okay. Right. And so mean. I do that. But then my Apple thing doesn't do Wi-Fi. My Eero does Wi-Fi. Okay. It's sorry. In, it's yes, in yes, it's yes. in bridge mode. It's a little bit complicated. Anyway, when I'm dealing with my television, it, the reason I had to add that that rule with the Apple TV is if I didn't, I immediately started debugging according to my mental model when really there's mm-hmm. nothing that i could have done that would that would fix it and in fact i could break it by messing with stuff what i just have to know is it takes anywhere from three to 37 seconds to find the network so just just wait <laughs> go ahead and wait 37 <laughs> no like i'm I just it's not worth as, doing it it's not worth doing it two seconds six times <laughs> i go i go as fast as i can i launch plex but when plex says to me uh you appear not to be on the internet then i just be like okay go back Wait, wait, try it again. You appear not to be internet. Go back. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Wait, wait, or try it again. Oh, now it found it. Like, so I'm, I'm not waiting 37 seconds, but at least I'm not trying any other debugging because I understand this is a thing that happens. Okay. Um, yeah. My PlayStation is a little bit weird. It's a sim- seemingly a simpler system, and I just sleep it and wake it up. But every once in a while, and my, I turn the monitor <laughs> off when I'm not using it. Every <laughs> once in a while, I, you know, I turn the PlayStation on, then I turn the monitor on, and the monitor says... Boop doop, uh, no signal. No one's sending me any signal. And I look down at my PlayStation. And it's like a, I'm woken up and I'm a PlayStation now. Look at me go, whir whir whir. Uh, but the monitor says, "Yeah, I'm not getting any signal. I'm just gonna go back to sleep." Hmm. Uh, and I ah, can turn the monitor off. Okay. And sometimes I turn it back on and it says, "Oh, there's a PlayStation here. Look, this is the picture from the PlayStation." Sometimes I'll turn it back on and it'll show me brightly colored, quote unquote, static. Yeah, sometimes say, be I careful next to, time. Make sure you make it go to sleep right. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I will have to unplug the HDMI cable. 
Uh, so uh-huh. the mental model, the All mental right. model of my very simple PlayStation computer monitor system involves now the idea that sometimes when the PlayStation wakes up, it uh, its communication with the monitor probably due to some HDMI C not this not CEC. What is the other one called? HDCP copy protection crazy who knows something mm-hmm. involving that, that i've had level. that happen i've had it i've had it something suddenly start throwing up like uh yeah exactly cop like copy protection errors mm-hmm. for no particular reason because there because is that's like, the thing hdmi does yeah there is a negotiation over hdmi about the sender and the receiver of like you know i'm a monitor and you're a video source let's talk to each other about how we're going to communicate and sometimes that ends up getting garbled when i wake the thing from sleep uh, so as a last resort, I will disconnect that cable and say, you two will now renegotiate. You're both on. You're both presumably in okay states. I've disconnected you. Now I'm going to reconnect you. Now renegotiate. And that, that always works 100% of the time. Uh, but that that only happens once in a blue moon. right? If my television setup ever... I have not unplugged or replugged an HDMI cable on my television in like 10 years. right? So I, my, television, my television setup is tuned to the point where everything in it is dumb. HDMI CEC is disabled everywhere you're fully out you're you're that you're out yeah I, because it's it's too it's unreliable. So unreliable unreliable, and, unreliable like, and not in an unreliable like it didn't work to do the a thing it's supposed to do unreliable as in like it does seem like there's a gremlin who's deliberately spinning a wheel to decide what goes wrong this particular time and, and the that, remedy that, that, that's as, the worst kind of not i mean I, everybody's had situations where okay for this to work i always got to do these three things in this order that's existed forever mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. that's one of those things I, I do understand why you hate it because it's one of those now you talk about states like i don't know what state this thing got into but like but banana stuff is happening like you know only only a true gremlin could have caused this and I don't like those situations because the remedy is to just like turn everything off and start oh, over. Oh, that's my remedy. Si- I do that all the time. The situation I have is nothing ever does anything smart and I have six different remotes, uh, but it doesn't really matter what order you do anything in. It just matters that you do all the right things to the right boxes. And they're all dumb and they're all like unaware of each other for the most part mm-hmm. and everything, you know, just works. So I haven't, <laughs> I haven't unplugged anything. <laughs> Touch wood. Boy, you're you know, it, it, It's an incredibly, like, it's the type of thing, I think about this sometimes, like, mm-hmm. despite me living with my family for all of our entire lives John, the in family. this house. The family, John. Yeah, uh, I, I, I've come to realize frequently, I'll have a moment of clarity and realize, no one in this house knows how to work the television in a comprehensive way except for me. So if I were well, maybe, to, to get hit by a bus, they, they they know how to operate it when everything is working flawlessly. No, not even, not really? even. That's what I'm saying. I, in, in, like I realized, I was like, well, you know how to do this. Like I'll I'll tell somebody I'll, I'll, in mid sentence, I'll be someone will ask about a show. I'm like, oh, I've got that on Plex, and then I'll realize they don't know how to watch things on Plex on the television. Really? Like they kind of do. And if you turn on Plex, they know how to find stuff on it. Like if. They don't. It's a complicated system, but they haven't been bothered to learn the system. So I think if I got this hit by a bus, this is not harder than a ton of they, consumer apps. Yeah, they would have to have someone come to the house. Broadway HD is a damn sight harder to use than Plex. I'm here to tell you. I think they have a passing knowledge of how to do a few tasks, but if if I was to go there, kind of like Chaos Monkey style, and like just flick one thing to an unexpected state, they oh, would sure. be lost. They would be lost. Yeah, right? they're, and they're it's just a valid state. With the broken glasses. 
Yeah, like if I just change one input button or change one setting or okay. like you're, you're, you're change making, the surround mode on pressure, something. You're making my blood pressure go up. We cannot get the doc. The doctors cannot get people to vaccinate their children. And I cannot get my family. When you put the, you, you've taken the groceries out of the bag and now you're going to put the bag into the box. We always need to do it the same way. What you do is you have the flap go up the back. And you always put it in. Now, listen, listen, listen. If you're dead set on the flap always being in the front, guess what? I can deal with that. But then you know what the situation is? The flap is always going to be in the front. I cannot live in a world where you jam a bag in (laughs) however it just goes. And sometimes you put one between two other bags. I need this one thing in Mm. my life to be something Mm. I don't need to think about. I need to know that when I take the brown bag and I fold it, whatever you decide, you tell me what the rules are. You know, just send a memo when you decide, but I never again want to have to wonder if when I put this in the correct way, will it just stop partway down because somebody <laughs> decided to jam it in the wrong way. I don't Boy. think, I think you should vaccinate your children. I really do. And I think that you should always put your bags into the box in exactly the same way. It's so much nicer for everyone. That's pretty far up the ladder. It seems so simple to me. There's so many things like this. I 100% understand what you're saying. It makes perfect sense. Back in the drawer, it goes over here. The two-gallon bags, the one-gallon bags, the one-quart bags go in this order for a reason. That's so the, uh, there's room to accommodate the sideways snack bag that we put in this area. If mm-hmm. you do it any other way, the tiles don't fit. You're mm-hmm. back to working on your puzzle. I, I, I've had some backsliding in this area recently. Um, I'm not, my whole world I'm, is I'm not able to make John. those I don't know how demands. I tolerate it. I really don't. My recent backsliding, my wife has decided she no longer cares when putting the silverware away that the silverware is stacked on top of the other silverware. So say you're putting away a fork. What? And you're going to put it in the place where the forks go. Uh, we kind of have like, I think most of this is popular these days. You like, put the dinner forks at the bottom and the salad forks on top and they're all perfectly nested. Well, yeah. Like, so when, I think when we were kids in, uh, in the seventies, they had uh, probably olive green uh, plastic things that were the oh, shape yeah. of a fork. Yeah. And you'd put the fork in and it's like, there's no place, the other place that the fork can go. There's the, it was like, it's like, it's like, it's like Peepaw's uh, tool shed where you got the little outlines, the little templates, you know, this yeah. is where and, the hammer goes. And the plastic would raise up around it and it would be in the shape of a fork. But these yes. days, because silverware is all much more exotically shaped than it was when we were children. Yes. Uh, you get more of like just a round, uh, like, like a rectangle, like a, like a, a wooden box divided four, into a rectangular We have rectangles of exactly the same size. Right. And then so your forks, you got your forks, your fork's not a rectangle shape, your fork is fork shaped. That's correct. Right? So when you put the forks away, you could just chuck them into that rectangle willy nilly, or you could stack them on top of each other so that the forks are stacked. And now you're thinking about how to take a fork out. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So my wife has decided, I think a couple of years ago, probably, she's not going to stack one fork on top of another fork. She's just going to chuck the forks into the rectangle place where the forks go. People fought world wars for us, John. So you I mean, want the bags like to be so in? I can't even get them to put the fork on a fork. No. <laughs> that's the level I'm at. Oh. And that's a backslide because she used to put the forks on top of each other. I think what you're getting there is the programmers call it regression. Yeah. So she's not worth it anymore to put the fork on top of a fork. Why is it not she worth it, She likes it when I do it probably because you open the drawer and everything's all neatly stacked on top well, of each if other. You, if you do it right first, then you do it right later. Like why, why wouldn't you take the time to do that? Is it a protest? I, I kind of see where she's coming from a little bit because uh, because we have children uh, and they're monsters. They've bent a lot of our silverware. Yeah. Because they'll like, they'll try to scoop out hard ice cream with a teaspoon and bend it, right? <laughs> because why would you use the tool we bought for this no. when you can yeah. use a dime or a fork? 
She stripped. She stripped the screw off a gift, <laughs> insisting that she could use a dime, like the instruction said. I said, mm-hmm. "Honey, it's a Philistan. It's a Phillips head screwdriver. A dime that's got the ridges on it. It's not even like a it's nickel. The, it's be almost better. the perfect tool for stripping something. <laughs> for stripping something cheap, all you need is a dime, and mm-hmm. now you don't have that present anymore." Why don't you use this? If it's screwdriver shaped, use a screwdriver. Like, don't use your teeth on that. I have six pairs of scissors because you keep losing mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. I've got yeah, a whole drawer full of these things. They're they're tiny monsters. Ah. So my children have bent the silverware, and so now they don't stack as nicely as they as they used to. And you might make a stack, and once you get to a certain height, it starts to get tippy, and that can oh, be upsetting. You set, and set it on fire, like, John. Just get on these silverware. That's no so. Way I ke- I keep thinking about. I mean, first of all, I rebend them to try to make them uh, <laughs> nest better. But second, I've been thinking about making <laughs> like, like a yeah, making like a custom cut place uh-huh. for the silverware to go that actually fits the <laughs> you silverware. See, now putting the hood down. <laughs> well, just like it would go back to the 70s type thing, but like yeah. made of wood or something where there's no way to not nest them because the only place, it's like a, sh- a shape sorter for children. Like the square <laughs> thing goes in the square hole. Like that's, there's no other Can choices. Can you get that? Can you get that? <laughs> yeah. Because, like go, go, try to put it in a different way. Like I, I suppose you could just lay the silverware across it horizontally or something. But this will not accommodate a knife. Like put this here. <sighs> yeah, there's just so much stuff where, like, you think about it once, and you don't have to think about it again. Mm-hmm. But like, like, who puts a bag in a box like that? It's just, uh, you know, I mean, like most most homes find a way to like all the bits, all the stand up comedy bits, whether that's the toothpaste, which I'm apparently the only one that squeezes from the bottom, or whether it's the toilet paper direction, or like whatever it is. I guess everything finds its level, but like, I don't see how you can like conduct your life knowing that your bent forks are in a pile. Does that make me tightly wound? Like I, I want to reach into it. See, there's all kinds of situations, including not falling over things. This is another one. I have to say to my family, I don't hear very well anymore and I can't really walk. So like if there's an area like where let, let's have areas be clear so we don't step on things. And let's have areas where like, if you have to do something in the morning when it's dark, you don't have to think about whether it's X or not X. Let's always have it be X. If it's X, we always know how to do it. We don't have to think about it. Instead of having a shower of grocery bags, because I just try to grab one. (sighs) This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Burrow. You can learn more about Burrow right now by visiting burrow.com slash diffs. Listen, your home is important, and you want to come home to somewhere that you feel comfortable and maybe a place that looks a little bit stylish. And you want something that is designed to fit you? Well, let me introduce you to Burrow. Because Burrow believes that high-quality furniture should be more accessible, and that's why they let you easily customize your sofa online and then have it shipped fast and free within that same week. Wow, Burrow. The Burrow sofa adapts to your life. It is scratch and stain resistant, so you don't have to worry about spills. It has a built-in USB charger, so you can charge your devices right from your sofa. It's like living in the future. Fabric is totally free of harmful chemicals, and the frame is made from sustainably sourced hardwood. It's a sofa that grows with you. You can make your burrow bigger anytime by adding new pieces. You can easily set up and disassemble your burrow, and no tools are required. Burrow sofas are designed for comfort. You can customize every detail. You pick out some comfy low uh, armrests or stylish high ones. And the proprietary foam is comfortable, yet super cozy. Don't forget to check out their line of stylish pillows and throws made from 
soft handwoven fabric ready to complement your new sofa. Uh, Burrow was recently named uh, one of Time Magazine's best inventions, so you know you're going to be amazed. And you can save up to $500 on a new sofa right now through February 24th. You just go to burrow.com slash diffs and enter the offer code diffs10. That's D-I-F-F-S-1-0. Burrow.com slash diffs code diffs10. So you go there now, you can save up to $500 on a beautiful, functional, and outrageously comfortable sofa. Hey, I'm going to tell you the truth. I bought one of these. I was, I, I was hoping they'd maybe give me one, but they didn't. But you know what? I bought one with my own American money. I had it delivered. I put it together. And here's the verdict. My family loves it. It's so much nicer than the one we used to have that might be 40 years old. We're still getting used to the fact that you sit down and there's a couch there that's supportive and it doesn't have moisture and stains. You're not going to get that with a burrow. Just just get, get, go check out burrow. You go to, you go to, you go to burrow.com slash diffs and you check them out. Uh, and you know, and I like my couch. Thanks, Burrow. Our thanks to Burrow for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Speaking of uh, things being underfoot, so you know, we've got a dog, and that means we've got dog toys. Uh, and it, you know, there's two major hazards with dog toys. I'm con- I'm forever moving them out of the traffic pattern, so I don't end up at being like a you know a Looney Tunes, uh, <laughs> you know, slipping. Me. Whoa, whoa, so you know, Kong, you know, Kongs, right? The it's a sort big rubbery Kong. ball you fill with peanut butter. It's not a ball. It's like the Kong. If you just search for K-O-N-G Kong, it's like three spheres. Is of, it kind of like between a football and a pair? Three spheres of decreasing size stacked on top of each other like a snowman, basically. Oh, I see. Like the personal appliance. Yeah. yeah that's Yeah, that's a Kong, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and they're they're rubbery, and they're just round enough that if you were to step on it, you'd do the whoop, you know? Like you just Yeah, I asked over, ask over tea sucker. kettle. You go flying through the air. Yep. Yeah. So we've got those, right? And then we've got... Uh, uh, my dog loves to chew on bones. We've got basically caltrops. It's oh, like a those are total. Yeah, those are like the little ninja stars. That those are designed to go right yeah. through. Yes. Yeah. No, no matter which way you throw them on the ground, they're always pointing up at you. Right. right. So there's these plastic. It's like a, a plastic thing that has multiple legs, each of which is a bone that you can chew on. So she chews up every single one of the bones, taking them from smoothish nylon to mm-hmm. to jagged dog chewed nylon, and then no matter how it lands on the ground. It is like a caltrop. It's always waiting for you to step on it and just injure yourself because always one part of it is pointing up. So we got that in the Kongs. It's pretty challenging to get around the house. And so everywhere I go, I'm just scanning and taking those things and pushing them out of the traffic pattern because or taking them taking them off the stairs. Please yes. never leave anything on the stairs ever. You know, is this going up or is this going down? What are we doing here? No, no, nothing on the stairs. There can Ugh. be nothing ever on any stairs. Nothing should ever be on the stairs, especially no. not the shoes. You know, we bought the thing to put the shoes in. The door mm-hmm. is already very difficult to open. Yes, we've removed the wreath, but yes, there's there's still an area. If we have to get out of here in a fire and I die because of a shoe, you know how sad that's going to make me? Oh, speaking of the wreath and things on the door, uh, yeah. my daughter's new thing, like I'm, I see her off in the morning uh, and, you know, I, she goes out the door. She's got her, I should take a picture of it, her, her comically huge backpack. <laughs> it's larger than astronauts' backpacks. It could contain life support for two astronauts inside it. <laughs> Because I it, might need these four books. <laughs> it, yeah, it it extends farther out from her body than her height. Sometimes it looks like it's no. Just, there's there's kids at school that look like droids. Like it's totally a thing. Yeah. It, it it I don't understand how it's legal to make a backpack that can expand outwards this far from your body. Like yeah. it is so like a, a small child could lay down sticking straight out from her back in this backpack. It's so Jeez. huge and it's filled with books, right? And on the back of her backpack, she's put tons of enamel pins. 
right? <laughs> she's got uh, like also someone's from vacation places. She's got one of my podcast pins on there. She's got like cute little Japanese anime things on there, right? Mm-hmm. All over the back of her backpacker pins. So picture her going out of my house in the morning, saying goodbye. I'm seeing her out the door, right? Uh, and then she opens the door to the house, which opens inward. If you're inside the door, it opens inward. Mm-hmm. She goes out and then opens the door just big enough for her to squeeze her self and her giant backpack out through the opening in the door. And then she turns. Shearing off all the pins. <laughs> yeah, she turns to go straight now. And her backpack, because it extends out from her body 17 feet, whacks into the door, enamel pin side first. So now we have a huge heavy backpack full of books studded uh-huh. with metal, literally studded with <laughs> she's, pointy metal. She's made a medieval siege weapon. <laughs> yes. Scrape right across my astronomically expensive door that we put into the house when the whole exterior of the house yes. was gone. And there's me saying goodbye, going... <laughs> Maybe just open the door. Why do you like? And I keep telling you, you don't have to close the door behind you. I will close it. Like the main thing we're trying to do is not let the dog out, so we can't open, yeah. swing the door, or open wide. Someone has to be blocking. Oh, so she's trying to be sneaky and go like, "Ooh, she's trying to do like a little ninja." Right, thing. and I'm trying to like, I'm you know, I'm blocking the door. I'm like, look, you don't try to close the door behind you. You just go. It's like yeah. it's like a car, a semi. You know when they make gonna make a turn like a residential street, they got to make that big turn because they got to mm-hmm. swing really wide just to make it you around. Turn a little I, bit left like, before you turn right. Right, you got to just keep going out on an angle before you make that turn to go straight away from the house, and it's just like you know, like that's why fire trucks have two drivers, right? I mean, that's that's a that's yeah, a tough yeah, turn to make, especially with a seventeen foot backpack. Speaking of that, on the way back from work, like a week ago, I, I was going down a road and coming towards me at the intersection, a couple car lengths up, there was a big semi truck doing that type of turn, and it's going, it's going, and it's making the turn at like you know five miles an hour, and it's by by this point, like it's a it's a ninety degree turn, it's a left hand turn. Uh-huh. The truck is well and truly up the left-hand turn already, but its big caboose, its big butt, its big giant trailer is way back at the intersection that I'm seeing. And the trailer starts swinging around, and there's a lot of trucks sticking out behind the rear axle of that uh-huh. thing, right? And the truck's going up the road, and the back, back wheels are going up the road, and the back end of that semi is coming around, coming around. And there was a car parked on the side of the road, and the back end of that trailer, <gasps> the corner of it, just grabs that car and goes... And puts no. a huge, like half, you know, six inch crease into the entire side of this truck. It was a Jeep or something, right? He misjudged exactly how far oh, his butt sticks no. out to dramatic metal creasing. That's a version of effect. the backpack problem. Yeah, that's what I feel like is happening to my door. Yes, and like and like this this semi, which just drove off into the distance <laughs> and did not stop, and oh, had people had people chasing form. after it and everything. Yeah. My daughter is just off. Off she goes. Like, uh-huh. it's not the time to to scold her as I've just sent her off to school and told her to do a good job and, uh. you know, just and watch for cars when she's crossing the street and so on and so forth. It's not the time to say. So we're, we're working on that. Oh, there's so many things where it's not the time. But, like, how hard is it, you know? Jesus. Yeah, and like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, it's that's an empathy for the machine type of thing. Does anyone have empathy for the front door? Am I the only one who cares about the wreath banging on the door, trying yeah. to get through the door with the wreath that's there? Do I know anyone who cares about the the medieval siege weapon studded yeah. with metal scraping against my very expensive door, covered in a paint whose color I cannot find or match? <laughs> Am I the only one that worries that a fire marshal or perhaps Quincy is going to write the word shoe on a form? Cause of death, shoe. I I was busy. I had to pee. I had to pee. So now the family's dead. Mm, Your little shoe, your little shoe 
is why your family's dead. Uh, last night, speaking of getting old, well, I guess this falls together. Last night, I walked into a wall. <laughs> oh, no. Like, just did you just wing it a little bit? You just kind of hit the edge? No. Oh, well, you'll do, <laughs> just so you know, you're going to do a lot of that. You're going to do a lot of getting it slightly wrong and have your shoulder hit a, hit a, hit a corner. Shoulder, I wish. Um, so this was after my podcast. Mm-hmm. Everyone else in the, in the house is asleep. All the lights are out, uh, as it normally is. So I'm leaving a well-lit room. I turn off the lights behind me, and I walk towards the... I was I had a, my glass of water, my podcast glass of water. I was going to put the glass of water away. So yeah. I'm walking, same path I always walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to the dining room, into the kitchen, put the, put the glass of water in the sink. Uh, and I'm doing that walk, and I guess I must have been distracted thinking about something, whatever, probably next day work thing. I don't know. I was th- thinking about something. Mm-hmm. And I'm do- sort of doing the unconscious gesture that I always do, which is reaching out to where I know the light switch is to turn it on. But while I was doing this, because I'm old and my night vision is not what it used to be, and because I just came from a light, a well-lit room into mm-hmm. complete darkness. And just thinking about carrying a glass of water. And I'm carrying a glass of water, so I'm yeah. not working too fast. But I was off by a good foot and a half two feet in where i thought i was really and my eyes are seeing nothing my eyes are seeing just black right that's a, that's a more panicky feeling than it sounds like i mean i was distracted i wasn't panicked i was just like i do this unconsciously you i feel, feel like, stupid well what happened was like you can imagine the light switch is right near the the there's like an archway right i'm going uh-huh. to go through the archway the light switch is right near the archway like six inches from the edge of the archway but because i was a foot and a half off what i was actually doing was walking straight into the archway and i hit forehead first nose eyeball eye socket and forehead oh first into the, into the molding your face walked into a wall face head oh. face first directly into the molding that is on the edge of the the archway so i was oh. off by a lot normally you just want the hand to catch the edge of the thing and hit the light switch Bonk. but i but yeah i didn't even i you know because my hand felt the wall at about the same time my forehead nose eye socket oh god hit the wall pretty hard and it was a case where i was kind of sad that uh my home security cameras hadn't turned on yet for the night because they they automatically turn yeah, on night all night while yeah. we're asleep i just missed it but that would have been a good video to see but they oh, have a nice a view one. of that of that wall uh yeah so i got quite quite a welt on me there so that was that was kind of humbling and i i attributed to being old mostly because if i was younger i would have had a little bit better night vision you know th- it's like literally three seconds after leaving the completely bright room into total darkness like yeah. my eyes would have adjusted better but i had nothing so i was a complete surprise to me that- and you can't fake yourself into it it's not like george costanza squinting like you can try to imagine no, that you're yeah. seeing more than you are but it really doesn't work and if i had not been distracted and been paying more attention i would have probably navigated the landmarks better because i do it every night like i feel like i can navigate my house without seeing it but you mm. get like yeah. this is another speaking of your bags being uh, put in the wrong order or whatever. It doesn't take much to throw me off. Oh God, no! You're you're past you're past the small brown Lego phase, but that that's one. I mean, it could be stuff where somebody has moved the rug. Somebody has moved the rug just slightly, and you're counting on it could be the edge of the rug and knowing how far away that is from the wall. There's all kinds of little like subtle cues your brain thinks it's operating on that are sometimes very off. Yeah, or just if someone just asks me a question while in the middle of executing one of my morning routines, yes, that can cause me to omit entire portions of the routine, yes, <laughs> without knowing it. Like I, you know, I just left the house without my wallet. Why? Because someone asked me a question three steps ahead this of the is, part where I grab my wallet. This is how con jobs work. This is how confidence men work. Is they distract you? They call it misdirection. You look at something else for a minute, and pretty soon you forgot what you were what you were doing. 
oh, it's the worst. We, we, we got some of those lights that come on at night in various places. And then sometimes, sometimes some people unplug those in the bathroom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, when you get up in the morning, you can enjoy the results of that. I tried. I would aim better, but there was no lights. Yeah, that's, an, that's another thing I do for the family. I turn on a little nightlight in the bathroom. We have actually have it on a switch, right? It's not, it's mm-hmm. like a... Yeah, like one of the old and, school. Yeah. Just so if someone wakes up in the night and needs to go to the bathroom, the little just light is already so on there. Somebody's going to wake up every night, my friend. <laughs> and then want to get back to sleep without some kind of contusion. Yeah, and then in the morning, <sighs> and most importantly, in the morning, turn it back off again. Because otherwise, the nightlight's on all day long, and the light will burn out. And the next time you want to turn it on, it'll be dead. Yeah, we've got a we got one that's uh, light reacting. One of those little domes turns on. Mm-hmm. Plus, we got a lot of Internet of Things things. Oh boy, just put the yeah. bags in. Just it's the it's the intuitive way. The intuitive way is the fold would be in the back. Just seems intuitive to me. Yeah, I, I feel like if you are operating at that level, like does it mean? Does it mean? Is this just like the hill you want to die on? Does that mean that everything at a lesser level has been has been accounted for? There aren't enough hills to describe all the places I'm ready to die. No, no. I, of course, I don't say anything about it because w- what kind of weirdo tells their family they're putting bags in a box wrong? I try to I try to lead by example, mm-hmm. but the example is not noticed. <laughs> so now I have to think. I have to take a minute and think. Before I put the bag into the box, I have to think before, will, will this area now accommodate the snack size Ziploc? Can't be sure anymore. I got to check each time. Hey, this is fun. Let's have this new life where we have to check everything in the house before we do anything with it. Did I get a you, bit fork? You wouldn't bring that up? Because I certainly mentioned the silverware. I mean, nothing happens. They I, don't agree. Uh, they just roll their eyes. I really am not the good person in my house. I don't do... I, you know how it is. I don't, mm-hmm. I mean, I do a lot of stuff, but like, boy, she puts up with a lot. She puts up with a lot. And for me to really make a big deal out of the toothpaste in the bags is probably a terrible mm. thing. Oh, speaking of toothpaste, that reminds me of a, another pathology that bloomed, started blooming several years ago. Yeah, it does have a you cap. Have... You can put the cap back on. The cap's right there. <laughs> All you have to do really now is flick it. And the lid, if you haven't let it get, get covered with ooey gook because dad didn't get to it today, it will actually just close. And then you can squeeze it from the bottom like a person. No, of, cor- uh, of course, it's it's covered with gook. All right. So the, the pathology uh, that maybe you've been avoiding, but we uh, with us has been spreading, is at one point several years ago, I looked in my bathroom mm-hmm. and realized, let me see, we had, yeah, and, and uh, at some point in a family of four people, we had three to four different toothpaste. Huh. We had we have we have standard Colgate whitening and we've got the one the orthodontist recommended. Mm-hmm. So you've got two in a family of three. But that's the type of thing where we, I, we could I, easily get by with one. We all like the Colgate fine. Yeah. Well like she's, she's the, got prescription toothpaste. We don't use that. Sort of give, giving in to the in these individual members of our family have pre- individual preferences about almost everything. Hmm. And you know, when I was growing up, there was one tube of toothpaste in the bathroom mm-hmm. that was it yeah right and same thing with it with any other type of scenario where you would think there would just be one like to give an example that we haven't succumbed to but i can imagine us doing we got three different like, mouthwashes it, yeah the same thing exactly mouthwashes yeah. tissues like how many different boxes of tissues are presumably you have a box of tissues in your bathroom did i ever mention we have more than one kind of shampoo well, yeah, so shampoo, I feel like that, when I grew up, was okay. You got, because the, you got the space. I had my shampoo, and 
my sister had her shampoo. Right. And my parents had their individual shampoos. And that somehow seems normal to me. But when I realized we all have our individual toothpaste mm-hmm. and individual mouthwashes, yep. individual brushes seems fine to me, too. Obviously, individual toothbrushes individual brushes is, is probably a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but the the toothpaste. I'm like, is this how is this mm-hmm. how it's going to be that every item in the house we will all have individual preferences and eventually there'll be four boxes of tissues for four people in every single room in the I house? I haven't thought about it, but we have we do have a lot of that. We have a lot of that. Yeah. What, what, I, else, what else do you have personalized that wasn't personalized when you were a kid, where you just had one of like a lot of stuff of involving things that go in your mouth? Um, hmm. We've got a couple different kinds of coffee. Uh, like, you know, not just because we're fancy, but like, you know, I'm trying to think of other examples. The, the Do you bathroom. have three kinds of milk? Do you have like 1%, 2% and whole milk in your house? No, we have half and half and 2%. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't drink any of it. Um, no, but I, we've been through situations like that. I'm trying to think of other things. I mean, there are lots of situations. I can't blame anybody but myself for this. Uh, in a phrase that we nicked from King of the Hill, sometimes we'll have, when we do delivery food, we'll do what's called spin the choice. Mm-hmm. after Peggy Hill. And that's that's where we might get up to three different small things ordered separately. And I know that like, I, I'm creating the problem with that. But like somebody really wants Thai food and somebody else really wants pho, we work that out okay. But that's just a fun thing to do. That is a fun, that is a fun thing. Um, I feel like are there other things like this? Pens, there are some pens that certain people like. The thing is with the bathroom is where you notice it. Like, I don't know about you and your fancy suburban house, but we have a very small, we have a one bathroom house with very small amounts of areas for anything in one plug, you know, one two outlet plug period. I think our bathroom is probably smaller than yours. It is, it it is so small that I remember at one point someone came to our house and it specifically remarked about how miraculous it was that a room of that size could accommodate all the things that were in that room. Namely a bathtub shower right there. uh, Oh yeah. A bathtub shower, toilet bowl. (laughs) It looks good on you. And and mirror. And and I thought about it, and it's kind of like either a boat or airplane bathroom. You're like, it is kind of clever how they managed to put everything into this incredibly small space. Well, it's like living on a boat. Uh, hairbrushes, different different hairbrushes. I guess that's, we're not picky about that stuff. But yeah, the, the toothpaste thing is interesting. The place where it's really uh, a problem is, you know, and this has been also been true for a while, I think I mentioned on the program. Some nights we end up cooking two, three, or four different dinners uh-huh. where we were, yeah, so, because it could, break, got the it could veg- be as simple as breaking down to the grownups want this, the kids want that, but then it could also but then break we have down. have a vegetarian and, kid. Right. So then if we're lucky, we do one grown up, one grown up meal, one vegetarian meal and one kid meal. But sometimes it's, it's literally four meals. Like <laughs> those are the worst nights, but even just doing two meals at once, like <clears throat> you haven't lived until you tried to simultaneously cook two blue aprons at a time as a regular occurrence. We've done that when we had backup, like too much Blue Apron and had to get rid of it. But no, it's not unusual at all for us to have two or three different things. Not what I would prefer, but I, I live with snackers. I live with snackers. And not what we did growing up. The closest we could say is that my sister occasionally got a quote unquote special meal that was something different. But everybody, else, and I, we had the vegetarian, but I don't know. I just feel like that's, it would be nicer. It would be more convenient if we could get more agreement instead of instead of everybody having their personal preferences about everything. Now, you can't complain about the vegetarian. You're not going to make the vegetarian eat meat or whatever. And I understand well, that. It's like, you know, my feeling is like you're you're absolutely allowed to have an opinion about this, but you're allowed to have an opinion about this a pretty long time ago. Like p- part of the problem is the like, you know, your input on this, let's <laughs> talk about invisible work. Your input on this would have been way more useful, let's say two hours ago or ideally 
like a day ago. Because like our options are very limited if we're going to try to like fork this off in four directions at this point. Yeah. Yeah. We try to always have something around that people can tie. I just wish that they were more flexible. I've given up. I've given up. I, I last night, last night while I was making dinner, I made her broccoli and I was like, okay, that's the accommodation. Fine. You can have broccoli. But we were having spatchcock chicken. This is on, actually on Monday or Sunday night. We're having spatchcock chicken. It's a whole thing. We got a whole thing going on. She couldn't wait the 15 minutes for dinner. So I made her some broccoli. Cause I, I said to myself, well, at least it's broccoli, mm-hmm. you know, but like, even then, like she's still finishing her pre-dinner dinner when dinner is served. It's like, and, and I'm not about to be a dad and say like, when I was a kid, like, I'm mm-hmm. not saying like, you mm-hmm. got to jam cream corn in your face just cause it's what's given to you. Like, I understand not everybody likes cream corn, but like, there is something that's like, Oh, what, what have I, what have I created here? But she's a nice kid. She she won her first basketball game. Her team won. Mm. It's pretty exciting. I didn't brag to you about it because I figured you'd be real karma suck about it. But yeah, they, they won their first game of 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 the mini games they played. Well, that's good. Yeah, sixteen twelve. Who's the who's the one telling stories? Was it Jason who's telling us a story that his little league team never won anything? I don't think mine ever did. I think we what we got a forfeit one time. I think because they didn't <laughs> have enough players. But more often, I uh, foster transformer. The team that I played for, we didn't even have a name. We were just called Foster Transformer. Foster Transformer, uh, I believe we did win one game, I feel like, by, um, what's the word? Uh, by forfeit. Uh, but we also, I think, lost a couple games involving the mercy rule. <laughs> I think there might be some 15 zips out there. Yeah, the only, the only thing I remember about winning and losing from childhood sports teams was the the very first soccer team I was on is mandatory for children of my age on Long Island to be on to play soccer. I think I was in kindergarten. So I was like, I'm a f- I'm five years old, right? And we I was on the M and M's. All the all the soccer teams are named after candies. Another thing that wouldn't fly today. Wow. Um, and the M and M's won a lot of games uh, because of one person, John Pega. Mm-hmm. He could play soccer. The rest of us were five year olds, and we ran around in a cloud of dust in the vaguely in the direction of the ball. But John Pega would kick the ball and it would go into the goal. And so we destroyed all the other five-year-olds solely because of the one person we had on our team who could play soccer. He's so your James my, Harden. Yeah, my, my initial memory of organized sports is constantly winning. Uh, after that, <laughs> Having your team constantly winning. Yes, yes. Because, you know, we would celebrate. Yay, we won, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> we went like... We mm-hmm. were all wearing the same M&M's jersey. We're the M&M's. The M&M's have won like seven to zero again in this 15 minute five year old soccer game. After that, I'm pretty sure it was back to like normal where I, you know, I don't think we, it was not we didn't win, but it was just like random chance. Like, and that, that was a very early lesson in how, how team sports and, and it, all sorts of team endeavors can be carried by one person mm-hmm. who is not you. And it can make all there, but also the idea that it still feels good to win, even when you basically had nothing to do with it, because it's fun to be on the winning team. I'm such a Democrat. I like it when they outperform. I don't even care <laughs> if they win. I'm just, I don't even know. They didn't even get a plurality. Be, you just want them to beat the spread. I want, I do. <laughs> I want them to be better than they were last time. And if that happens, I'm beside myself with joy. My body's undulating as the ball almost goes in over and over. It's, it's exciting. I'm yelling. I'm yelling, good try. Because it really was. It was a good, good try. try. Good, good try. Good so, try. Everybody's, everybody's, it's every It's a week. very woke dad thing to yell. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't yell directions at the coach. Your children will be talking to their therapists uh, years later saying, yeah, my dad used to yell, good try. 
<laughs> you didn't you're, understand how that undermined me. Sometimes you're not disappointing. <laughs> I can see that that effort is probably the best you can offer. <laughs> you're never going to be better than this. Let me acknowledge that. You did what you thought you could. I love you despite your flaws I love and your inability you. to put the ball through the hoop. I love you so much. I love that you're showing so much effort in the face of consistently not doing the thing. I like how you believed you could hit that three-pointer. <laughs>